0: What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles, and you're listening to the Two-Man Power Trip. Oh my god, this is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the Two-Man Power Trip Podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the Friends of pro wrestling,
1: and you are listening to Two Man Power Trip.
0: This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie-woogie man. Tell my people on my brothers, and sisters. Don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Oh, uh, Chad. Okay hey man what's up guys this is Homicide. oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling Brian Christopher, if I was you, I would want to play Doug Gilbert every week because you've never got over. Listen, let me tell you one thing, boy, and listen, you do not talk about my family. You do not talk about me. Listen, you want to you want to play that family card? He wants to play the family card. You think he wants to play that card with me? Oh, mate Brian that card hurt you so bad. Listen, son. I'm out on the street, and people say, Doug Gilbert. Why was Brian Christopher dragging them four or five belts around that little red wagon? Oh, he was so successful here in Memphis, Doug. He was so successful. And Brian, it kind of hurts me. You know, Dave, there's things we're not supposed to talk about out here, right? That's true. But, you know, like I'm, they told me a few things in the back that I couldn't talk about, but I don't really remember what they was. One of them might have been Brian Chris was a champion around here for so long because his daddy, wait, 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 wait. Because his daddy Jerry Lawler owned the company. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry Dave. I know I wasn't supposed to say. But when he comes out here and you're going to be disrespectful to my mom or my dad. You know what? That little that little thing you hear there, Dave, that them people are talking to you from upstairs, I think maybe you should have said it's time to go to break. See, I'm not holding any one person responsible, but what I'm saying, see, Randy Hills is upstairs with his hand on that little button that could cut me out. See, Randy, if I start saying something again, and I shouldn't about you running that road smoking crack. Oh, yeah, that's not true. Oh, 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 That's not true. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Dave. It is true. And Randy Hills has confessed. Well well now let me tell you what we can do. Oh, okay, you you yeah. have a point. You have a point. Oh, okay, well. There hold, are hold certain it. things we can control. There are certain times we can cut the microphones and go to commercial. And okay. I think now okay. is one okay, of those times. today, Let me say one more thing. You give everybody else a chance, right? Go ahead. Watch watch what you say. Somebody showed me a tape right just to come out here and went, uh, I, I'm Doug Gilbert. And, Jerry Lawler, I'm going to stick my fist in your mouth. Well, oh, come on, Dave. I ain't that corny. I'd have said, ha, you know I'm Doug Gilbert. And Jerry Lawler, you raped a little 13-year-old now, girl. Now, come on. <laughs> this is all. We're not going to let him get away with that anymore. We're going to let those other guys get away with it. Go to a
2: break right now. This is the two-man power trip of wrestling brought to you today and powered by the WWE Network. Head on over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT and start your one-month free trial of the WWE Network, courtesy of your friends over here at the Two-Man Power Trip of Wrestling. And if you get on over there right now, you can check out original programming such as WWE 24, WWE Ride Along, and the WWE Mixed Match Challenge. It's all over on the WWE Network and take advantage of our one-month free promotion right now on wwenetwork.com slash tmpt and if you didn't know by now my name is Chad and as always I'm joined by my tag team partner the one and only John Paz and John today on the show we have another guest of the great Nick from Captain's Corner heading to the big event in New York on March 10th as dangerous Doug Gilbert joins today's program and like I said he will be promoting his appearance at the big event in New York at the LaGuardia Plaza Hotel on March 10th and you can head on over to freewebstore.org slash captains corner for signing times and information and how you can meet dangerous Doug Gilbert a mainstay of the Memphis Territory a guy who's been in a lot of great promotions and has portrayed a, a lot of awesome characters and as you heard off the top was a part Part of one of the more controversial shoot promos of the late 1990s, as he took to the airwaves to kind of air some grievances on Memphis Power Pro Wrestling TV, kind of saying some negative things about Randy Hales, kind of saying some uh, kayfabe things about Jerry Lawler and Brian Christopher. And it really being one of the most uh, controversial shoe promos that you had to kind of go out of your way and find the tapes of if you weren't a part of that Memphis territory. But it was Doug Gilbert who was carrying on the legacy of his brother, the late Eddie Gilbert, as well as his recently passed away father, Tommy Gilbert. It is uh, quite the lineage and having Doug Gilbert on to talk about what it's like to follow in the footsteps of both his father and his brother Eddie is really cool, but another great and um, kind of rare thing that we've never got a chance to talk about on this show is Doug's portrayal of the Freddy Krueger gimmick in the wing promotion in Japan as well as taking place in Memphis. It is quite the phenomenon if you haven't seen what the monster characters are like in Japan, whether it's Leatherface, whether it's Jason or whether it is Freddy Krueger who was portrayed by Doug Gilbert. It is so just awe-striking to see how these characters come to life and are brought to a wrestling ring. And I kind of take over the beginning of the interview here to get Doug's, you know, kind of overview on it because it's such a phenomenon of the monster popularity from the late 80s that I'm shocked that now today where monster cons and zombies and, and all these vampire gimmicks are such the rage in all the movies and TV shows that it hasn't successfully been translated in the wrestling world in the last 10 years or so. So it's kind of cool to get Doug Gilbert's take on how great this Freddy character was in Japan because he was legit feared, just like the uh, the Freddy man himself, just like the... Uh, You know, the old one-two, Freddy's coming for you. The movie character, well, Doug Gilbert brought him to life in the wrestling ring. But that is not where the conversation ends. John, as I welcome you in here now, why don't you tell us a little bit more of what we have to look forward to in this interview with Doug Gilbert, as well as maybe give us a network suggestion like you've been doing when you take advantage of our WWE Network promotion. Give us a couple maybe examples of something we can look for from Dangerous Doug on the WWE Network. Partner, take it away oh yes chad huge episode today the two-man power trip and like we had a few weeks ago when
1: we had lanny poffo on we have a huge family lineage attached to this name today and of course talking about dangerous doug gilbert and doug gilbert will be a big part of the big event which you touched on and we'll touch on again with captain's corner so i'll leave that up to big chad to handle all the captain's corner big event business where you can meet dangerous Doug Gilbert but for me here I'm just going to strictly stick to mostly the interview here and just want to mention a few key things before I kind of pass it along and that was of course we talk about the Gilbert family legacy the lineage of the Gilbert family not only starting with Tommy Gilbert who was Doug's father but also the legendary hot stuff Eddie Gilbert who is Doug Gilbert's older brother or was older brother so we get into all that, how legendary of a family they really were, kind of how underrated almost when you mention all these other names. I mean, you mention uh, the Poffos and, you know, of course, the Hearts and the Funks and the Briscoes and even the McBands. But you got to mention the Gilbert, such a long lineage, such a legendary family. Hot stuff was amazing. If you were able to find some Tommy Gilbert stuff, he really was the patriarch sitting it off. And Doug Gilbert, one of those underrated guys that you can throw into any situation, kind of like the, uh, the perfect journeyman, the perfect pinch hitter, whatever you want to call it, designated hitter. He was just that perfect guy. It was like, okay, you want a main event? he can main event you want a guy to you know enhance somebody he could do that you want him to be the mid-card upper mid-card he could do it all and he did it to so many different organizations whether it was USWA whether it was the WWF and we do talk about his short stint there in the Royal Rumble and some backstage politics over there we talk about global ECW, Japan whether it be IWA Japan, whether it be the wing promotion, we talk about a lot of great stuff, we go through his career we talk about Freddy Krueger gimmick we talk about the Dark Patriot gimmick which is one of my favorites, we talk about a whole ton of things, and of course it kind of all circles back to Memphis it always does with uh, Dangerous Doug Gilbert, especially his feud with Jerry Lawler, especially his feud with Brian Christopher, aka Brian Lawler and we talk about how many times did they really wrestle, I was able to count, no joke I was able to count over 100 times each that he wrestled both. And Doug has a great line in the interview where he says, not even close. He wrestled them probably both 300 times each. So that is uh, some great stuff there. You'll definitely, definitely look forward to some great stuff coming out of the Gilbert versus Lawler long, long feud. And before I pass along, I do have to do my weekly network suggestion and you cannot forget wbnetwork.com slash tmpt and we're going to hook you up there and get you that free month and also while you're on there hit the search button and either type in the gilbert gilbert family or just type in doug gilbert and you'll see some great great choices and my suggestion would be click on that first thing you're going to see we search doug gilbert click on the wcw link and his match versus great muda you know obviously you know it's going to be kind of an enhancement match but it just shows you he is really making Muda look great and Muda was not so necessarily green at that point but you know he was still young in the business and was still you know had the potential there was still great but it just shows you Doug Gilbert the, the veteran that he was really really enhanced him in that match and really made him look even that much better also when you type in Doug Gilbert or the Gilberts you can find some great awesome Jerry Lawler versus Eddie Gilbert matches search them out whether it's under the GWF label and the have a best of uswa on there so really really search that out seek it out on the wb network you will not be saddened at all you will love it so that's wbnetwork.com slash tmpt and that's all for me so sit back relax and enjoy and maybe chad will tell you a little bit more about the big event where you can meet dangerous doug gilbert
2: And I'd love to do that because this coming March 10th at the big event in New York City, the big event number 14, Captain's Corner brings another group of amazing talent to you. Live and in living color to include, of course, Dangerous Doug Gilbert, Juventud Guerrera, Tyrus, formerly known as Brodus Clay, Santana and Ortiz of LAX, and Brian Adias. Do not delay. We are uh, literally about four or five weeks away from the big event 14 in New York City at the LaGuardia Plaza Hotel out there in Queens, New York. You can head to the Captain's Corner Facebook page or you can head to their free slash Captain's captains-corner for ticket information signing times and all the amazing opportunities that you have at your disposal if you join the captain's corner at the big event and don't look past the big event but you got to see who captain's corner has coming to legends of the ring this june i mean nick from captain's corner he outdoes himself with each guest if you're a pro wrestling nerd if you're an old school mark You will definitely love the names that Nick has added for his Legends of the Ring coming up, but don't look past the big event because Juventud Guerrera, LAX, Brian Adias, Doug Gilbert, this is quite the group, and you cannot deny that Nick goes out of his way to put on a hell of a group and a hell of a show for the fans that are going to be in attendance at the big event. So with all that being said, I want to thank Nick yet again and also want to thank Doug Gilbert because we could have gone all night long with Doug Gilbert. We didn't even scratch the surface. But with all that being said, we also want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by the WWE Network and you've got John's suggestions as to what to look for in relation to Doug Gilbert and you can do all that by heading over to wwenetwork.com slash TMPT where you can can take advantage of our one month free promotion that we have running with the WWE network, which will include Fast Lane, which will include the Elimination Chamber, and it will get you ready for WrestleMania 34. And as like I said at the top of the show, all the cool original programming that the WWE network has. It, it, what can you say? Nine ninety nine? No, we're giving it to you for free for one month. So get on over to the wwenetwork.com slash TMPT today and get your one-month free trial. And of course, like we've talked about, we've got TMPT Contu coming your way on May nineteenth, two 2018, just a few months away down in Richmond, Virginia at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road. It's going to be one hell of a show as John, myself, and our guests... Kevin Nash, Eric Bischoff, Mark Canterbury, and the franchise Shane Douglas so far announced. We are going to be having one hell of a time down there, and there's going to be a lot of cool pro wrestling going on in the Richmond area the weekend of May 19th. So make your plans to join us at TMPTCon2. You can get all the information on our Facebook page as well as our website, TMPT of Wrestling. Com. so with all this being said John please do me a favor get us on the road and if you wait for it before the episode starts we've got a little bit of a tribute to the one and only hot stuff Eddie Gilbert coming your way as John you're gonna take us on out and get it on over to dangerous Doug Gilbert now for some TMPT
1: business like us on Facebook follow us on Twitter at two-man power trip and at Raslinhal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer, Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane, Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTofWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. Follow along with a two-man power trip as we come to a town near you. Join us in Richmond, Virginia for TMPTCon 2, May 19th at the Holiday Inn with feature guests Kevin Nash, EZE, Eric Bischoff, Shane Douglas, Mark Canterbury and so many more. So follow along with the two-man power trip as you never know where we may land. And now, without any further ado, a former five-time USWA world champion, a former six-time USWA world tag team champion, a former ECW world tag team champion, and a former global North American champion. He is the dangerous one. He is Doug Gilbert. Please enjoy.
3: The five time USWA World and six time USWA World Tag Team Champion. He is from the illustrious Gilbert family. He is the one and only dangerous Doug Gilbert. Doug, thank you so much for joining the two man power trip of wrestling.
4: Oh, man, no problem. I'm happy to be on with you.
3: Well, we're here to talk about your appearance at the big event in New York City on March 10th as part of the Captain Corner crew that will be taking place in the big event. Doug, New York, not necessarily a territory that you were in for a lot of your career, but definitely a cool spot to be. Are you looking forward to the big event on March 10th?
4: Oh, man, I'm looking real forward to the big event. And uh, it's funny, I mean, like you say, New York, not kind of the place that I was in a lot, but I worked up there a few times, and uh, one of my fondest memories was I went with my brother. I think, uh, let's see, what would it have been, 81, 82, something like that. He'd come home and... uh, that's when he had started working for um, the WWF him and Kurt Hennig had one up there, and I went up there and man you're talking about going to Madison Square Garden. that was a great deal for me and getting to watch him, meet all the guys and everything and I've loved New York ever since then.
3: oh that's a, that's a really cool uh, way to make your impression uh, on on the New York territory is to be traveling up with uh, with Eddie and Kurt Hennig back in that day and of course you mentioned your brother hot stuff eddie gilbert who uh in in terms of the two-man power trip world we have heard a lot of stories from our good buddy shane douglas about your brother eddie and uh we're definitely going to touch on eddie here but i wanted to stick with the captain's corner appearance for one second here now he's always known for having a pretty eclectic crew with him and to see you join in the fray obviously you've portrayed a lot of cool gimmicks in your life do you right. think the New York fans are going to be interested in just the gimmicks, or in Doug Gilbert or the Gilbert family? What do you think the New York fan has to offer you on uh, March tenth at the big event?
4: Man, you guys could probably tell me more than I could. But I mean, the, the different <laughs> gimmicks. I mean, as far as I've been to Japan fifty some odd times and uh, doing the monster gimmicks when they had the monster tours over there, and which I also wins myself. Win as the Dark Patriot, and which. I mean, everybody can see on ESPN the uh, what is a global classics they call it. I think you know you can see myself and my brother on that on I think a weekly basis still. And I mean, it's just uh, a lot. Like I said, I worked up there a couple times as myself, as Danger Doug Gilbert, and everything. And uh, but man, I could I I can't tell you. Y'all can probably tell me. What do y'all What do y'all guys think? <laughs>
3: Well, I mean, I was told specifically today by somebody that we had to talk about the Dark Patriot, and of course we're going to, but uh, you hit the monster uh, gimmicks right there and the monster tours in Japan. To me, it's one of the most fascinating things that you could possibly watch. If anybody can get onto YouTube, you can check out the footage. It is insane because the production value that went into it, as well as the intensity of the matches. On paper, you would think it's a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit hokey, a little bit out there, but intensity, personified, what are some of your memories of those monster tours?
4: Oh, man, they was great. I mean, you talked about, I mean, you know, Japan, I mean, which, don't get me wrong, I love the United States, but Japan wasn't, and still to this day, is not a super so happy country or anything, you know, I mean, if you if you watch like Bruce Brody, Stan Hansen, those guys, I mean, shoot, they throw chains and and bales and everything. And, I mean, if you did that over here, you'd, you'd be in court and you'd lose everything you had. But, I mean, like the monster stuff going out through the people and then having the matches, the wild, and jumping off stuff. And But the people over there, it was a respect thing. You know, everything's about heart, which, I mean, I think here in the States it is too, and everybody tries to work hard and everything. But, you know, Japan's just kind of a different oddity. And, uh, you know, I just went, just my last trip, I just went Thanksgiving. I actually flew over um, – Two days before Thanksgiving, got there the day before, wrestled the day of Thanksgiving, and then flew back home the following day. And that was, uh, but which I wrestled as myself on that. But I mean, that's just you know, just here, just this past Thanksgiving and everything. And I'm supposed to go back, I think June or July, and I think that might be one of the monster deals, or I might go as myself. I'm not sure, but but uh, the monster tours was great. I mean, you had like uh, Freddy Krueger, you had Leatherface, you had jason the terrible you had um shoot i can't think about monsters, but um, i mean the people that, i think the good thing about it i think you had good workers i don't i don't want to boast or nothing i, I don't everybody's always asked me he said well what do you think doug and everything and i mean you know everything's so so stiff and everything over there and you got to be ready for everything i remember one of the first tours that uh well the first tour that i went over there you know i wasn't sure what to expect and what you know my dad and my brother had, had uh, went before and everything and uh, I remember coming back from the from Louisville from the Louisville Gardens on Tuesday night and I was riding with uh, Jeff Jarrett and Frank Morrell, and uh, which Frank's referee was the, the uh, spoiler in a lot of different territories and the French angel and everything like that and he told me he said Dougie right here's the main thing he said anything they do to you you do harder to them. Anything they hurt you, you hurt them worse, and that's you know that's kind of what earns you your respect over there and everything. But I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, like the monster stuff, it was great. And I, but I think you had good workers and everything in them, and I think that helped also.
3: Now, was it hard to perform under the uh, the constraints of the costume and the mask and everything? Was oh, it kind of difficult oh my, to maneuver?
4: Oh my god, it was. As far as the, the Freddy Krueger, the the one that I was in, you know, it's that, it's that rubber all over your face and everything, and a lot of the other guys had tried to, to change theirs a little bit, but I didn't want to change it because I wanted to stay, you know, to look the same and everything, and because, I mean, the Japanese fans love the monster stuff, so, I mean, like the monster stuff, the monster movies, everything, they love that and everything, and, uh, I just left mine exactly the same, but that rubber just sucking through your face and everything. I thought every night you get back and you'd be going wide open with everybody that you was in there with. And I mean, it's one thing, it dang sure keeps you in shape.
3: <laughs> I was just going to ask that. You had to lose a couple pounds probably each match with all the sweat. Oh, that's going to gather under there. <laughs>
4: hey, every night, thank goodness they have good beer.
3: Now, do you have any personal uh, favorite moments under the mask? I mean, obviously, and I'm, I'm going to talk about outside of just the wrestling and actually donning the costume and being able to uh, kind of jump into the, uh, you know, the, the psychology of being a, a Freddy Krueger uh, character. Do you have any moments where maybe you kind of spooked somebody or, you know, you took on, a, I know sometimes in Japan, they, can, uh, they might be able to scare a little easier, but uh, do you have any memories of maybe spooking somebody with the, uh, with the gear on?
4: Oh, I, well, well, you know, not any of the boys or anything, but, I mean, as far as, freaking, if you ever watch any of, like you was talking about, the, the video footage of it, when I would go out and start to the ring, just when the door would would come open, people would start running, and they would fall over one another. I thought, my goodness, I thought, how are these people, how are we doing this and not getting in trouble? Because, I mean, they would just trample all over, all over each other and everything. I mean it was it was crazy. They was just like they were scared to death. I mean it was like you was the the monster in the movie and you know, they bought everything. I mean it was just it was amazing as far as like the boys not the boys, I was pretty much like everybody that they had over there I mean basically I I can't think of one or two guys that wasn't really, you know, good workers.
3: But that's what's so cool is that you can put a good worker like yourself. You can get into a character like that and play it to the highest extent possible and then take the gear off, get in the ring as Dangerous Doug Gilbert and put on a clinic, and then or you could don the Dark Patriot Master, there's so much you could do. And being that good hand like you were, did you take pride in being so multifaceted and be able to really adapt, almost like a chameleon, and adapt to whatever role you were put in?
4: Well, my dad told me right after I started, he said that uh, that, that, that the best workers that you will ever see, and my brother said the same thing, is you'll be a utility guy. And in their eyes, the utility guy was a guy that if you need to be a heel one night, you can do that. If you need to be a baby face one night, you can do that. Whatever you need to be, you can do that. Then you're a promoter's dream. And if you can do that, you can work because... I mean, you know, you want to get the people up, you get them up. If you want to set them down, you set them down. If you can do that, you can. And like I said, I'm not boasting. I'm for sure not the greatest worker I ever would even say saved. I just say I'm an okay worker. And like I've told a lot of people, I said, you know what, people ask me about my dad and my brother. And, and uh, I go to a lot of signings and different things. And uh, I tell everybody, look, if you're the third best in my family, that's great. Because the two the two that's in front of you, they was
3: great. Yeah, your your family tree uh, has a lot of great branches, and it's cool to be able to watch all the different uh, eras of you guys, watching footage of your dad, seeing your your brother, Eddie, and also getting to see you wrestle when when we were able to see you for the first time if we got our hands on a tape or we were able to read about you in a magazine. It was always cool to see the family tree, but obviously with the family tree, did you have any expectations you felt you needed to meet being in the third rung of your father and also Eddie?
4: Well, here's my thing. My dad was a great wrestler. My brother was a great wrestler and great brawler. Now, this is my opinion. myself, I, I'm I'm okay, good, and and that's where I'll say with with me. But to go out with them and I worked, you know, me and my dad worked in tag matches. Me and my brother worked in tag matches. I worked against my brother, and and I. Some of those matches, I didn't think I would make it through. I mean, my brother could go, 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 and go, and that's what a lot of people didn't know. And, I mean, he, I mean, uh, a lot of people didn't know, I mean, actually how my brother, all the stuff he could do, and I don't think he ever got the credit that he really should have.
5: Your brother's such an underrated talent, such a, a great worker in, in, you know, the lineage of the, the business. As far as you getting in, was it kind of, because your brother got in, and your father wanted you to be a wrestler, or
4: oh, was oh, oh, you breaking no. in something different? Oh no, they never pushed me towards getting in business or anything. But when you start going to kindergarten at five years old, and uh, to the Mid South Coliseum, and I mean the whole deal, and I tell I've told people this before. I mean the whole deal with me going with my dad, my dad taking me down there with him was. Uh, you know, my mom would say, now, if you say one thing about getting up or you're ill or anything, you're not going back to wrestling next Monday night. So there's one thing I never did. Anytime she come on Tuesday morning to get me up, I got right up and never said a word because I love to go to the Mid-South Coliseum, and I got to be around all the guys, and I grew up with all the guys, and I love the business. I mean, and, and there's not many people that can say from five years old that, They knew the guys and was, I mean, I I was around basically everybody come through Memphis at some point and everything. And so, you know, I was basically around most of the guys that's been in the business.
5: Was it a lot of pressure kind of following in your brother's footsteps, Uh, so to speak, and obviously your father as well?
4: Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, Anybody that follows any, I mean, you're uh, like – WWE right now like a Randy Orton anything like his his like him having to follow in his father's footsteps his grandfather's footsteps i mean you know that's uh, anybody i mean like uh, Jamie Dundee following his dad building these footsteps uh Brian uh, Lawler following his dad's footsteps L- look at what i mean you know i I don't want to say it it's pressure it's just everybody thinks you have got to be as good as them and and I mean, we all just worked as hard as we could to be as good as we could.
5: Pretty good list of legacy as far as great family names: You know, the Dundees, the Lawlers, the well, Ordens, but the Gilpers are right up there.
4: And I mean, th- think this: think of, um, think of Dory Funk Sr., Dory Funk, and Terry Funk. Look at that. That's my. That should have been the first names that I named, I love, I just, I was uh, wrestled twice Saturday night at the double shot, and in between them, I was riding by myself, and I called Terry Funk, and we talked about 15 minutes and something, and I had a good time talking to him, but he, I love him, he's always been great to me and my family and everything, my dad always worked for for his family and and everything, and, and that's one of the
5: greatest families also. Absolutely, can't sell short the punks at all. Possibly one of the greatest names, and obviously the Gilberts, kind of going right up there with it. But you know, you mentioned Brian Christopher, and you mentioned Jerry Lawler, and it's funny. Well, just looking back at a lot of your matches, or even you know looking it up and seeing you know how many times you wrestled either one of them. Have you ever realized? Have you probably wrestled each one of them? Probably about a hundred times each.
4: I, uh, I would say i probably wrestled both of them way more than a hundred times each but uh, I mean me and Brian during a, a two or three years uh, streak wrestled each other about every night and sometimes twice a uh, in a day and at night but I mean still like uh, coming up I've looked like the next three months I think I wrestled all or uh I think five times and Russell Brian two or three. So I mean, it's it's you know it's still it's. Uh, you look back here, you're in Tennessee. It's what the people remembers and what they still believe and and kind of. I'm I'm not ashamed to say my age. I'm 48 years old. Uh, the what they still remember off TV and and what they believe and what's left is the king. Brian and myself so I mean the good thing for me is if they want an opponent and the promoters want an opponent against one of them they usually call me so that's uh, you know that's a good deal for me and and it was great for me because they're both great workers
5: definitely and I remember USWA you and Brian Christopher had quite a a great feud that you know had to do with the unmasking and the dark patriot and you were Doug Gilbert feuding with him you remember, uh, you know that awesome feud in USWA in particular. Oh yeah, I,
4: and you know what? I never I, I remember all that. And like I said, we'd go up and down the roads. I mean, Monday night at Mid South Coliseum, Tuesday night the Louisville Gardens, Wednesday night the Evansville Coliseum, Thursday night would be a spot show, Friday night would be a, a spot show up on this end by Memphis. So we would be at TV Saturday morning, a live TV at 11, and go 11 to 1230. And then uh, Saturday night would be Nashville. Every Saturday night, Nashville at the fairgrounds. And sometimes after TV, they'd have a show, of, uh, like a sold show, like out at like a car lot or whoever bought the show, and then that we would do that, then go to Nashville and wrestle also. That's what I'm saying. You don't really actually realize how many matches – all of us
5: have had against one another. It is truly remarkable. And what do you think it is about the chemistry with you and Lawler, and obviously you and Brian Christopher that you guys get booked together so much, and it always is a home run? You guys always seem to have great chemistry.
4: Well, we just, just uh, this like I said, this past Saturday night. I mean, it was a great house, and uh, like I said, I went to. Uh, started out at the the uh, first one as a good house, and actually the second one was a good house, and Lawler was at the first one, Dundee was at the second one, and everything, so it's, you know, and I, and it's just, it's the people remember, and the people want to believe. I mean, people can say whatever they want, and they can criticize, and, and, and y'all guys hear it and see it on social media and everything, and they'll see it and they'll say, well, oh, WWE, this is awful, and that's awful. Well, if it's freaking awful, why are you going to watch it next week? You know what I'm saying? And like with our stuff, they they believed it, and they can say, and somebody can tell them, or, or they can say, oh, well, this ain't real, or that ain't real. And look, yeah, it's entertainment. I mean, you know, I'll say that. Y'all guys will say it and everything. We're not wanting to make anybody look stupid or whatever, but, I mean, I mean, when people's actually food one another and stuff. I mean, things don't always go like they should, you know what I'm saying? And, I mean, they've been – People's have asked me before, well, uh, y'all don't ever get mad at each other, do you? Well, shoot, yeah, we get mad at each other. Now, it's like I tell people – somebody told me, said, well, I've seen two of the guys uh, after they wrestled, they went out and ate together. I said, well, do you always stay mad at everybody? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, do you? I mean, you don't always stay mad at somebody, do you? No. I mean, that. that's my – analogy of it but i mean y- y'all guys know
5: what i'm saying absolutely yeah makes uh perfect sense but as far as memphis and that territory just being one of the greatest wrestling territories ever whether it's cwa whether it's uswa or even power pro years later but uh, memphis always seemed like such a hotbed what is it about those fans they can't quite get enough of their wrestling
4: oh no i uh, love the wrestling it's- if Vince wouldn't have took Lawler, I, I dare say it. It still I would be going today, and everything. But I mean, it's a, they love wrestling. Well, you got you got to realize, ever and y'all are up north and everything. And you got a lot of pro teams and everything. Your first pro sport in Memphis was professional wrestling. You didn't have, and I mean, it was up ten years till we got the Grizzlies. You know what I'm saying? So they didn't have no pro. Sports and but I mean wrestling was the pro sport and that's what people come to. I mean, you look at clips and you'd see people. You'll see people from the 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 days from the eighties and and the nineties and the seventies and stuff. And you'll see guys sitting there in suits and you'll see all types of people sitting on the front row, second row, third row. But I mean, all different breeds of people. But it wasn't just one class of people. It was it was all all types. And I think that's what made it you know,
5: a little different than everything else. Such a hotbed of wrestling. That's a great point. It's the first real professional sport in Memphis. So, I mean, people really are are so into that. And when you get so into it, you you know, you there, USBA specifically, world champ, tag team champ, so many fond memories, whether it's against Tony Anthony, whether it's teaming with Tommy Rich and then feuding with him. Is there anything in Memphis that really sticks out with like kind of those real key MVP-type guys that kind of go unrecognized, like a Tommy, Rich, and and like it Tony Anthony?
4: Right, right. Here's the thing, and I'll get to that. Right, here's the thing. Imagine this. Anybody said Elvis Presley, they would say he drew more money everywhere than anybody, right? Well, in in Memphis, Jerry Laudler drew more money than Elvis Presley did. So imagine that. Just just think of that for a second. Which I mean, it was pressing one there every week. But what I'm saying, when you sell the coliseum out every week for years, just imagine that. That's what I mean. You're saying a hotbed. You're exactly right. That's what it was. And like I said, it was the first pro sport and everything. And as far as the guys that I've got memories of, like all of my partners. I thought I had great partners and everything. And one of the one of the Top matches, and I mean, I, I always, I mean, loved to work with my brother. He'd about kill me most of the time, but I always loved to work with him. <laughs> but but one of the one of the nights that I will never remember was the uh, best of Memphis, and it was ten of us, and the you know it was five five of us bad guys and five good guys, and they called it, and it was the the last show that it was right at sold out, and I think it was the five of us, I think was. It was myself, my brother, Terry Funk, let's see, who was the other two? I don't know. There was five, there was five of us, and then there was Lawler, uh, Idol, Valiant, uh, Brian Christopher, and they have a, another partner. But, I mean, you can look that up on YouTube and everything. But that was, you know, that was like the last, like, right at sellout, and that really stands out in my mind and everything. And – uh but it was called Best of Memphis in, like, elimination match, and that was a real cool deal. And then, like, I mean, and I grew up, like, when the, you know, when the Fabulous Ones was so hot in the 80s and stuff and everything, and they brought them back to work against uh, me and Tommy, and that was real cool because, I mean, to me, I always looked up to Tommy. I mean, I think Tommy's a great worker and great guy, former NWA world champion, and uh, he's my partner for, for, uh, two and a half, three years just straight right there. And still today we do uh, tag matches together and everything. And, I mean, but there's so many different guys, talented guys, that have done so much in this business that that, uh, was my partner and everything at different times. Like Tony Anthony was a great worker. And, I mean, he worked his butt off and everything. And I'm probably leaving out two or three, but, I mean, I had great guys to learn from. And like I tell everybody, one of the guys, and it, it wasn't in Memphis, but Alabama, one of the guys I think is really underrated was Jerry Stubbs. I worked a program with him when my brother was booking down there for like three months. And, man, you're talking about a
5: smooth worker. He's a smooth worker. Jerry Stubbs, highly, highly underrated uh, wrestler for sure. And the thing is with, with you specifically, which was great, is – you win the Battle Royal to kind of get some notoriety in USWA as far as being able to get into the Royal Rumble in 96, which was cool because it was almost like, well, you know, one of the guys who's a good worker down in Memphis, maybe not everybody knows his name or knows who he is, but now he's going to get some credibility and, and, you know, kind of put his name out there even further by being in a WWF Rumble. How did you kind of get into that match kind of behind the scenes? Was that always the plan? Was that Jerry Lawler kind of Orchestrating some things for you to get you in that match. Yeah,
4: the, yeah, that was Lawler, and he took care of me, and uh, I mean, he was one to set that up and everything. And 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 like everything, like a lot of other things with us, I kind of screwed that deal up too. Uh, you know, I mean, before every Royal Rumble, you know, all the guys get there the day before, and you have a meeting the night before, and you know, Vince tells everybody what you know he wants done and everything. So. So I was supposed to, they sent me a ticket, and I was supposed to fly in on Saturday night. Well, the only thing, I was booked in Nashville, myself and Tommy Rich against PG-13, uh, Wolfie D and Jimmy Dundee on that Saturday night. So to me, I mean, this is where I made my living. So I went to the show I was booked at and changed my ticket to the next day. So I wound up flying in. I got in about an hour and a half before the pay-per-view started and got to the building about an hour before it started. And walked in, and they told me where to go dress at and everything, and I did that, and I wound up not even seeing uh, Lawler at, at the pay-per-view or nothing, but when he got back, it was about three days later, I seen him, he told me, he said, you just don't want to make any money, do you? I said, do what? <laughs> and he said, why did you not come up, when they send you a ticket, you you freaking fly up there when they send you a ticket, and you you missed the meeting, and you missed everything that you're supposed to do. And I said, well, I was booked in Nashville for you. And to me, that took priority because, I mean, I was on a guarantee here, but, I mean, I made a big amount of money for that one show, but I didn't really care about going to to work for Vince. I mean I guess Japan spoiled me I mean it, I mean it was rough and everything but everybody always asked me said doug where didn't you go and which the same deal with WCW I talked to them and they sent me a ticket and I flew up there and and uh, talked to them and they told me what they wanted me to do and I wound up not even going to the building I went back to the airport and um, they sent me a ticket to go to, to uh, Indianapolis Indiana and uh, I went back to the airport. And uh, I come back home. So I mean, I don't know. I probably made a lot of bad moves and everything. But I mean, you gotta do what you think you you need to do. And I I I was looking at like what I wanted to do. I don't. I mean, I don't know either. Some people probably say it's stupid. Or well, I mean, 99% say it was stupid. But I was I was living comfor- comfor- comfortably at home, and uh, I had two different places: a place in uh, Memphis, a place in Nashville, and uh you know, I just didn't. I was I was happy with what I had, and I, you know, I probably should have. Everybody said all of my friends say, "Why didn't? Uh, why didn't you need the exposure in the United States? Japan, the people don't know about Japan." But to me, that part didn't really matter.
5: And the exposure you got in Japan was definitely helpful. Obviously, being in the the Royal Rumble, the exposure. Would have been helpful, obviously, like you said, Lola kind of kind of ripped you for that a little bit. But was that backstage environment uh, not really to your liking as far as, you know, Brad and Sean and Undertaker and all those no, guys? Yeah, Is no, that not what you're used to? You
4: you, you you know what? Sean's one of the greatest guys that has ever been to me. And, I mean, he was always real cool to me and my brother. And when I went in, actually when I walked in the door, I rolled my bag in, and I was just walking through there, and Sean was the first person I saw him. And he said, hey, man, I said, what's going on? I said, where, I said, where, he's fixing and walking room. I said, just where we dress at. He said, it's where I'm dressing at. He said, but they've got you with the Undertaker and Bret Hart. I said, with who? And which that was actually the man of of the Royal Rumble that year, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I said, well, okay. I said, we, we can't just dress where we want. You know, I was used to, you know, I mean, uh, if you was a heel, you dress in a heel dressing room, but not being told what room you actually had to go into and, I thought oh, this is kind of strange, but so I go in there and with them too, and and it wasn't a, a, a lovely experience by no means, but it it was what it was. I got in and done my thing, got dressed and uh, did my I think six or seven minutes in there and got dressed and got out of there and got back to the hotel. And the next morning I flew back home and I was happy with it and I and I got a great payoff and I really appreciated. The king for taking care of me and doing that. And I, like I said, I probably did the stupidest thing, changing my ticket. But, I mean, I was booked in Nashville, and I told him, I said, Well, I was booked for you. I thought I should go. But, you know, really, in reality, uh, the smart guy, which I'd say I wasn't at that point, I didn't go. I changed it and did what I wanted to do. But, you know, we all do, we all look back, and there's a few things that we'd probably do a little different. And I I probably would do a few things, but. you guys know what I'm saying. I mean, if y'all was comfortable where you was at and and everything, you don't think about going. But everybody, I mean, everybody wants to be a big star. I don't know. I don't know. I guess I want to be a big star, and maybe I wasn't as talented as I needed to be. I thought, like I say, I was a good worker. I was a great worker. I was a good worker, still. So I think I'm a good worker. I work hard. I bust my ass every night to do work. But I think my dad and my brother, I think they was great workers.
5: USWA specifically was definitely you know a territory being used by Vince, for the most part. He's taking a lot of stars, building them up. Obviously, he took a Lawler from there, and he was helping facilitate some guys in and out, guys like Kane, for instance, or even Jeff Jarrett at one point. But something with you that really I felt at the time, a little bit before that, where you got some exposure with Dark Patriot, was when you had the feud with The Patriot in Global and working in Texas and stuff. So that's where I kind of really... Became familiar with you before USWA. Did you like your time in Global and obviously spending some time in ESPN as well?
4: Oh, I did like Global. I thought that I had a, a good time with Dale. I mean, Dale, I think, was a great worker and everything. I mean, he was made for Japan. He was a, a bull. I mean, if, if y'all guys have y'all ever talked to Dale or had him on here before? Oh, yeah. Oh, Dale's a great guy. I mean, straight up. I mean, whatever he tells you, that's what it is. And I mean, I had a lot of good matches with him. And I mean, he is, like I said, he is a bull. He was then. He was a bull. He was strong as ox. And I mean, he was a good guy. He went on, I think, to have a, a, a pretty good, good if not great run with Dents and everything. And I mean, he had a hell of a run in Japan and everything, but I loved, yeah, the global days, and I got to work with my brother a lot, and like I said, shh, I didn't think I was going to make it through some of them, matches. you was talking about the Freddy Krueger mask, those monster masks in Japan, well, shoot, you should see me come back up at that sportatorium, and when I was trying to get to the top, I'm going ahead and trying to get that mask unlaced, because I thought I was going to faint from working with my brother, because like I said, people don't know what that was like, I mean, you're talking about somebody pushing, and like I said, I thought I was in, in pretty dang good shape, and I mean, my brother could go
5: brother was awesome totally uh was, like we said totally an underrated guy and you guys were feuding over the north american title for a bit and i even remember when you feuding with the patriot you actually had two masks on at one point you ripped one off you still had one under it i can't even imagine in the sportatorium even being able to breathe with two masks
4: and i'm gonna tell you face. i don't know if y'all guys ever went to the sportatorium or not but you're wrestling on it's like i thought what in the hell is this we're wrestling on it was like just hard tables. I had never wrestled on anything in my life that felt like that did. I mean, if you took any kind of a bump, I mean, the, there was no guilt and nothing. I mean, it was the hardest thing between that freaking, you just soon take a bump on the concrete floors. you had that ring. And I thought, you know, we'd go out there and go and go and go and everything. But, I mean, oh, I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to tell you, you know who was another good part of that? And, and, uh, he taught me a lot during that time was Bruce Richard. He had just him and Vince. He had just left from Vince, and he was my manager. I don't know if y'all remember watching uh, Bruce on there with me, but he was my manager and everything. And Bruce was, was really good to me and everything. And it was him and my brother was real good friends.
5: Oh yeah, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Bruce now, but he's really making a big name for himself on the the podcast scene. He's putting his name back out there in a big, big, big way
4: that's what people have told me. I, I have not listened, I, and I mean, I should listen to a lot, I guess, but I, I haven't. You know what I did listen to? I listened to Jerry Lawler's uh and it, it, was, it was great. Him and Terry Funk, I don't know if you guys have ever listened to his podcast or whatever, but you're talking about one of the greatest, and I listened to it on a trip, and I laughed, but you know how Terry Funker say anything that and I think whoever maybe was supposed to maybe cut some of the stuff out, they didn't cut it out. You talking about some funny stuff and just a great podcast to listen to. It, that Lawler and Funk going back and forth with whoever Lawler's guy is if he's got doing it with him. You talking about a great, a great podcast to listen to. Now that was a great one. Like I said, I've never listened to Bruce's, but I've heard a lot of people talk about it and say that it's great. They just they just talk wrestling is that it or they talk everything or
5: oh yeah they'll do a lot of uh backstage stuff a lot of rumors a lot of uh crazy funny stories a lot of um he'll do a lot of imitations and, and things like that he's a talented guy he's pretty damn good oh
4: bruce is like i said he's a great guy like i said he me and him would sit he'd sit and talk to me and everything and and the deal with and my brother put him with me like and he would do the talking and just at the end I would say a word or two I don't know if y'all guys remember watching any of that or not but Bruce would do mm-hmm. most of the talking and at the end I'd say a couple words and everything but Bruce was a great manager I mean which I mean y'all could tell that by the brother's love the, the when he was doing that but when he was with me man he was great I, I I mean he just he had great mind for the business like I said him and my brother was great friends and. And uh, I think they both respected each other a whole lot.
5: Now, as we start to wind it down here, I know that you've literally wrestled everywhere, Japan, all the territories in the United States. Obviously, we didn't even mention UWF right. from Mid-South yeah. or ECW. I mean, there's so many places that you worked, it's just unbelievable. But do you have some favorite you... matches?
4: You didn't mention Germany or South Korea. I actually also oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. And, yep. uh, but anyway, I was over there for Idle Ones um, and everything. and that. Was oh, yeah, good. CWA, yeah. And yep. uh, everything. We went to South Korea from one of the Japan tours. We went over there one time and everything, and that was really cool. But uh, what, what what was the – I'm sorry I didn't to interrupt you, but what was you
5: asking me? Well, yes, yeah, CWA, obviously. Too. You mentioned all the great places, but do you have some kind of under-the-radar favorite matches that you've had that people might not necessarily think of, but, but matches that you hold near and dear? Well, you
4: know what? I, I there's, there, You're fixing to laugh. There's three. I mean, there's a, a, a lot of different ones that I could say, but just it sticks out on my mind because my brother and, and uh, Mick Foley was so tight. I worked with uh, Mick and uh, New Jersey, and uh, and I love that. That and uh, I thought we had a great match, just wild everywhere, and everything. And I I love that. That one sticks out. I worked with Abdullah in New Jersey, and that one sticks out. And then I worked with Terry Funk, and uh, I think it was Louisville, and that one kind of sticks out. But it's you know kind of guys that I grew up. Uh, as far as Abdullah and Terry Funk, and the, had come through the Mid South Coliseum, that i wound up getting to work with, and everything, and also uh, match six out is my dad, myself, and my dad against uh, Dory Funk Jr. and Buddy Landell, two guys that I really respect. I and mean, everybody, anybody can say whatever they want about Buddy, but I, I love Buddy. And I mean, and uh, Buddy wanted to work. He was one of the best. And and Dory Funk Jr. I mean, just being in the ring with him and his style and watching him and my dad. I mean, that's what wrestling was really about.
5: So many kind of good underrated matches and good underrated uh, opponents. Do you have some favorite opponents that stick out above others? Obviously, you know, Brian Christopher and Lawler, but oh. some other guys. Cause, I mean, you worked uh, Ogawa, you worked uh, Sid Vicious of all people, Stevie Richards. So many just random names that you've oh, well, that, in. That's
4: what I'm saying. You, you asked me which couple. There's not just a couple. All those guys that you just said are great. I mean, they're great. And, and the difference uh, a little bit, I think, between now and then, the, the, now just the names that you said, look, look how different the gimmicks are now than
5: mm-hmm.
4: then than now. And, I mean, how different the types of people you just said and and how great workers in which i mean there's great workers actually i think the show the wwe show is probably on right now and i think it was on last night and everything and i think they got great workers i just i told somebody the other day they you know they was i look at social media tweet a lot and everything and, and um, look at facebook different things that i got that i've got stuff on and uh, people you know as far as wrestling fans they, they grab and say this is awful and that's awful well listen like i said before if it's awful, you wouldn't watch it the next week, would you?
5: Absolutely not. Yep, you're right. It's,
4: it's, I mean, it's it's not awful, and 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 they're not dummies. They're making billions of dollars. I mean, the companies are. Don't don't tell me it's awful. It's, it's it might not be what what say say you want to see or somebody else wants to see, and it might not be what what I loved in the. 90s and the 80s and when just everything was so Everybody just believed everything so much and like when people like I mean like myself my brother run over Jerry Lawler with a car I mean actually we we run over him with a car and dislocated his hip I mean and I wish his hip wouldn't have got dislocated, but I mean people you know People say oh this ain't real. Yeah, let's run you over with a car and say and you say it ain't real. (laughs) <laughs> and you have to go to the hospital and and get your hip put back in place and everything. I mean that's what see it's stuff like that that people don't know that I that I scratch my head at and and like me and my brother was I think we was wrestling the moon dogs one night and there was blood all over the the mat and all of a sudden I get out of the ring and and I said I walk up to it and he said that ain't real blood that's them chicken blood capsules, and he sticks his fingers in that blood and wipes it on his tongue, I think. Boy, these freaking people are nuts. But, I mean, that's, that's you know, I mean, that's uh, the different things. you see. Like I said, the, a guy run through the, the uh, gate at the Mid-South Coliseum with a butcher knife running towards me and my brother one night. And my brother said, I'm on one side trying to get the keys in the car, and he said, I locked the door, I locked the door. And I'm thinking right before he got right to where me and Eddie was, the cops tackled it. But, I mean. Now, you tell me those people didn't believe. And that that was a, the good days, of, to me, of
5: wrestling. Very, very true, and it was so believable. And that was were definitely the good old days, for sure. As far as yourself, do you have a favorite territory that you work? With. Would it be Memphis? Would it be Japan? Or, or, you know, what do you think is your favorite territory? You,
4: you know what? I love Japan, and... You know I loved Memphis because I didn't want to leave here and go to, I mean, when I had the opportunities to go to uh, WWF or WCW, I wanted to stay here. I mean, they wanted uh, Jerry Jarrett. I remember when Vince got in his little scrape and he brought Jerry Jarrett up there, you know, if something was to happen to mm-hmm. him. Uh, yep. I was supposed to go. They had a tour of, uh, of uh, where was it? It was like... Uh, the Middle East, and it was for like 35 days, and they just I don't know if he quit or they fired him or whatever, but something them and the honky-tonk man had a, a disagreement, and Jerry uh, Jarrett said, you're going to be the king of rock and roll, and they bought me an uh, outfit, and uh, he said I want you to go to uh, the Middle East for 35 days, and they're going to show you how they want you to do this, and then when you come back, we're going to put you on TV. Well, right before about 15 days before that 35 days would have been over with, I was going back to Japan. So, and, you know, I thought, and when he first told me, I was, I really, I thought, man, this is great. And then I got to thinking about it, and I thought, well, what if this don't work? And there's one thing about Japan. Now, they're always, I mean, they're people of their word, but now if you do something and that, You know, I mean, if you're supposed to do something, you do what you're supposed to do for them, and they always take care of you. Well, my thought was they'd been good to me for all those years, and my thought was if I go to the Middle East and something goes wrong with this and I don't go on this tour to Japan, then what? So I didn't go. So that's probably another stupid decision I made, but I should probably went to the Middle East. And, uh, I mean, this was Jerry J's words. He said, I'm going to make you a millionaire. I said, really? And he said, yep. He said, just go go to the Middle East. He said, and we'll get this down. And quick as you get back, you'll be on TV and you'll be the, we'll call you the king of rock and roll. You'll be like the new honky tonk man. And, uh, but like I said, we all make decisions and some we, we. and you know, I, I wouldn't take that back, though, because, I mean, Japan was so good to me. Like I said, I love Japan. I love the Memphis Territory. And I love, a lot of people don't talk about it. I like global. And I loved uh, UWL for Watts when I started right out of high school the next day.
3: It's uh, it's definitely quite the journey. And it's uh, it's a story that is worth uh, listening to over and over again. But as we kind of look back at your you know, your whole entire career and the way we end the interviews usually is I ask the performer, you know, what your legacy is in the business. But I got to ask you to tie in your father and to tie in Eddie. What would you say the wrestling fans are going to remember about the Gilbert family at the end of the day when the book is closed on professional wrestling?
4: Well, I think if you look back at it and you look at at what my dad done, my dad wrestled, I mean, arguably one of the greatest as far as Luthie is. Like, when he would come to Memphis, my dad had a, a... angle with him, and uh, a lot of people didn't want to work with him because he was, you know, I mean, Lutez would do what he wanted to, to you, it didn't matter who you was, but him and my dad, they <clears throat> worked so good together, but all the guys, I mean, the uh, Danny Hodges, Nelson Rules, and all the guys like that my dad worked with, and my dad was a real freaking great wrestler. I think that they should look at that. I think my brother, as far as, I think my brother's a great worker great brawler and had a great mind and I think that's what the people don't really realize and what you know uh, and I mean a lot of fans and and everything I mean h- here's the thing uh, people knocked my brother and said uh, oh this is, he's exposing the business this that because I mean I don't know if y'all guys realize or not he did the first you know shoot interview or first you know interview I don't know if y'all guys knew that or not as far as you know, as far as people selling it and everything, did y'all have y'all ever seen that or anything?
3: Seen it many, many moons ago. Yeah, definitely the first, and uh, it was such a, a head scratcher and an eye opener at that point. I remember when it was first circulated but, around; it was quite the but, education. But,
4: but, but you know, you know what? A lot of the guys said to me at, right after that, they said, "Oh, your brother's exposed to business." And the same guys that said that to me. Uh, ten years later, they was doing it. So, what does that say?
5: Yeah,
4: says my brother's a little bit ahead of his time, right?
3: That's what Absolutely.
4: It's and everything, but anyway, my brother was I'm brilliant. He all he thought twenty four seven was about wrestling. I mean, we'd be going into just say into a restaurant or something. I'd be ordering, or he'd be ordering, or I'd be going to sit down. All of a sudden, he'd just start telling me something. I'd say what, and he'd be going over a freaking angle, and I said, What are you talking about? And it was, just, it was on his mind 24-7. But, I mean, he wanted everybody. I mean, he made people that wasn't good, good. And he made people that was good, great. And, I mean, like I said, I, uh, he always took care of me. But, I mean, I, like I said, he was a, I think when you look at the, at the end of it, like people won't know about it as far as his mind, how smart he was and everything. But my brother was a great worker and a great brawler. And, like I said, as far as, as I go, I'm uh, not going to say nothing to say. A guy told me that I was on the phone with him, and he was doing an interview, and he said, well, I'm just going to be honest with you, Doug. He said, uh, you're my favorite out of all three. And I said, well, what's wrong with you? And he said, do what? <laughs> and I said, I'm your favorite out of my dad and my brother and myself. And he said, yeah. I said, well, I don't know what you was watching. But anyway, I mean, uh, like I said, I've always busted my butt and worked hard, and I always will as long as I work. And everything but I mean like I said it's not bad to be third best when you're behind two great guys
3: uh, that's, yeah that's, uh, that's a great way to say it and of course it's all going down March 10th at the big event in New York City you can head over to the Facebook page of our buddy Nick from Captain's Corner or you can head to his dot org slash captains dash corner to get all the ticket information to meet Doug Gilbert talk about all the great angles talk about all the family lineage and all the cool stuff that went on in Doug's career. And, Doug, we really thank you for coming on. And we didn't scratch the surface. We'd love to have you back, and uh, we appreciate the time tonight.
4: Well, good deal, guys. And I'd love to come back. And, hey, listen, I'm sure I'm going to meet some different folks up there, right? Oh,
3: absolutely.
4: A lot of different folks. Okay, good deal. Hey, guys, y'all have a good night. Hey, thanks for calling. And anytime y'all want me back on, I'll come on and
2: talk with you a little more